Welcome to another episode of Film Seizure. I am Jeff Arbuckle. I am Jason Oliver. And uh, this week we've got uh, one of those uh, movies uh, that, that I have seen dozens, if not maybe over a hundred times in yeah. my life. Yeah, yeah. It, this is an odd one and one that I grew up with and watched a ton. <laughs> I can't say I'd seen it very recently, but um, yeah, we've got... What year was this, Jeff? 1979. 1979, the year of my birth, The yeah. Black Hole. The Black Hole. This was released on uh, December 21st, 21st, uh, yeah, 21st, 1979, the same day as another movie we're going to talk about. So weird. A little bit later this year, I'm sure. And celebrating its 40th anniversary, Star Trek The Motion Picture. That's so bizarre. Isn't that weird? That's weird. That one of those movies was actually a pretty big success. It's yeah, not this one. it's not this one. <laughs> not this one. I mean, what do you think is going through Disney's mind? Do they think that Star Trek movie is not going to be that big a deal? No, I think that they just figured it's holiday time. People will. I mean, back then, back then, I mean, it didn't really matter as much. Like but weird, man. Two, yeah. two like big space blockbusters, right? Yeah, and the perfect time to release those are right before Christmas, right. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is now, I guess, with, with Star Star Wars and whatnot. Uh-huh. But anyway, so um, 1979's The Black Hole, if I'm not mistaken, I'm not sure that humanity even was aware of black holes for very long before this movie came out. Hmm. I don't know. You're looking that up. I'm That's look fine. That up. You look that up while I uh, give a little a uh, little bit of extra. Um, so this Neil, Neil deGrasse Tyson wasn't around in 1979 telling us about black holes. I don't know. <laughs> He's probably watching this movie and thinking, "That's what I want to do." <laughs> that and I want to kick Pluto I, in the nuts. I want to rip movies like this apart for their bad science. <laughs> no, what are you talking about? This is perfect science. <laughs> Maximilian Schell in this is the greatest space scientist ever. That's what Anthony Perkins says. Oh, that's not the Wikipedia page for black holes. For black, it's, I, it's, yeah. <laughs> no, this is this movie is its own Wikipedia page <laughs> for the natural <laughs> phenomenon that is black holes. Um, so, uh, so anyway, uh, this is Disney's first in-house production that was PG rated. Um, a couple of years later, I think uh, um, Sword in the Stone became, or no, Black Cauldron was the was the first uh, PG rated cartoon that they did. Um, now Buena Vista uh, did uh, um, uh, release and did um, uh, did put out a PG rated movie earlier in 1979, but this was Disney's first actual. PG movie that they themselves produced. Um, yeah, because this was this, this had Disney on it, right? Yeah, I mean, this is Disney. Was, yeah, yeah, this is one hundred percent Disney. It wasn't some sort of like yeah Buena Vista shell nope thing. They were nope. like yeah, we're behind it. Yeah, this is us. This is our movie. Yeah. Um, this was their response to Star Wars. Um, funny how things work out in the long run, huh? That is funny. Yeah, uh, can't if you can't beat them, buy them. <laughs> Um, so, uh, so this movie is about, uh, uh, 
the crew of the Palomino, a little little ship, some sort of exploratory ship. It's got a couple of uh, got a couple of officers on there, and a scientist man, and a reporter, and a ESP and, lady, right? And a <laughs> uh, and a robot, and a robot, Vincent. Um, so vital it, information necessary centralized. Yes. Yes. And he mostly mostly just spouts um, philosophy in uh, like um, it's, old. Uh, it's not even like philosophy. It's like there uh, it's old idioms and idioms. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the word. That's exactly the word I'm looking for. Um, the so they are um, they come across a derelict ship uh, that they recognize as the Cygnus, which was an American uh, or actually it might have been an international ship that was um sent out to study black holes it was a uss sickness okay yeah so they find the sickness and uh they think it's abandoned until suddenly the lights turn on and they get aboard and they realize that the only human on board is uh dr hans uh reinhardt yes who's maximilian shell maximilian shell um and and things seem like you know, he's just really passionate about black holes and hanging <laughs> yeah, out and just, checking out black yeah, holes. Everything seems on the level to me. Yeah, I, I mean, he's got robot sentry guards that, yeah. that carry laser robot guns. Robot sentry is a real creepy ass, like seven foot tall robot. Yeah, everything's with, cool. With blades for arms. He's painted red and he looks like Satan. Yeah, and, and, and a, Maximilian Shell wears old Dracula medallion. Maximilian Shell wears Dracula medallion. Yeah, and also looks like Satan. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's no, no, no big deal. He's got spooky at all. Yeah, he's got spooky uh, uh, <laughs> guys uh, running the ship with r- real spooky guys. Yeah, with like these robes and hoods. We're wearing our hoods right now. Yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> and they got these little uh, these face plates mm-hmm. that are reflective and pretty creepy because you can't see underneath them. Right. So um, he wants to go in through the black hole to study what happens on the other side. Yeah, sure. Sure. I mean, to be honest with you, he might be, to be honest with you, I don't think we knew what a white hole was at that time. <laughs> the, 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 the out or the, the theory of what a white hole is. There was, there was very little um, relative theory around black holes. Um, there was the 60s. The, the, right, because, I mean, the... It was Einstein who believed that that wormholes were possible. That relatively rev- relativity, all of that stuff, ultimately would have um, led to the existence of something so supermassive that it turned itself inside out. Yeah. So I mean, it kind of started with some some people who were studying uh, gravitational fields, and um, that was first considered. Objects whose gravitational fields are too fields are too strong for light to escape were first considered in the 18th century. So it was oh, kind, of, okay. kind of some some Theor- general theory, theory right? Okay. And then um, the first modern solution of general relativity that would characterize a black hole was found by Carl Schwarzschild in 1916. Although its interpretation as a region of space from which nothing can escape was first published by David Finkelstein in 1958. Oh, okay. So then we're long considered a mathematical curiosity. It was during the 60s that theoretical work showed that they were a generic prediction of general relativity. Discovery of neutron stars in the late 60s sparked interest in gravitationally collapsed compact objects 
as a possible astrophysical reality. There you go. So for about 10 years, uh, the idea of what a black hole was. Because also remember, on that same day, if you'd watched Black Hole, then watched Star Trek Motion Picture, Voyager 6 fell into what was once known as a black hole. That's what Decker says. Yes. Yes, it was uh, once known no, as, as a, a black, black hole. hole. Right. Yes. So, <laughs> so people were kind of curious at but, this But point. in the movie The Black Hole that the black hole is mankind's last great question, right? Is that right. what Anthony Perkins says? Yes, it's like this is the last mystery the we last have to solve. The last mystery that we have to solve. Everything yep. else. Death, the solved. mind. Oh, well, obviously, they figured out some ESP stuff. Right. We'll get to that. And so they got it all figured out except for black holes. Black holes. <laughs> we, don't know what, we don't know what to do with those. <laughs> We're but, still a mystery. But, but, uh, but Reinhardt's like, I got probes that can survive and go right through and come back. Yeah. Actually, the probe only went to the to the to the event horizon. To the event horizon, was able to still come back. He yeah. he was kind of a gravity expert because uh, yes. he he was able to stay stable, uh, whereas the black hole should have pulled it in, pulled in the Cygnus, but it didn't. Anyway, um, turns out, surprise. <laughs> Reinhardt's a crazy guy. He's a cuckoo. He's cuckoo bananas. Yeah, he is bonkers. Yeah, he uh, he was recalled back to Earth. He refused. Uh, our ESP ladies, um, Esper, she's an Esper. Es- yes, she's, she speaks Esperanto. Oh, God. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Uh, she, uh, her dad worked on the Cygnus. Yes, and she found out that he was that he's dead now. But we find out that when he was uh, recalled to Earth to uh, basically because the the Cygnus cost taxpayers too much money. I don't know how that works. <laughs> I guess building it would cost, but whatever. Well, Bornine, the the, Bornine, the space yeah. reporter would yeah. know that. Yeah, yeah, he's the space reporter. He 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 reported on the on the silly. Silly money pit that was the USS Cygnus. The USS Cygnus, I guess. I don't know. I want to read those articles. <laughs> um, in fact, that would be. This is a movie that needs a prequel. Yeah, you know, it's that'd be great. Just the it's like a it's like a hard hitting investigative journal <laughs> journalist like drama <laughs> uncovering the cost of the Cygnus or something. <laughs> anyway, um, oh man, if they ever did remake this they would totally do some of the promotional materials would be like ernest bornine's characters uh, right reporting and everything right. yeah um so he okay so they okay so uh when when he was recalled to earth uh, uh there was a mutiny. reinhardt there was a mutiny right reinhardt was like i'm not going back right well i got more important work to do out here i'm a i'm a scientists right and so everybody went to frank mccray who was like the the first mate or whatever and he led an uprising that was quickly squashed and all of the people were turned into like these zombie robots to run the ship and that's um now the the crew of the palomino has figured it all out and um pew 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 lots of laser 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 battles yep and uh only uh uh the captain of the palomino which was uh, robert forster uh the the lady uh the daughter of frank mccray who is yvette memu 
and uh, Joseph Bottom's Pizer character. They're the only ones who escape with Vincent. Uh, Vincent's, of course, probably the biggest star of this movie. Yeah. And nobody can forget Vincent. Uh, Vincent was a little, little, little round guy. He's a cute little round robot. Yeah, he floats around. He, he spouts out his idioms, and he's portrayed by uh, uh, Roddy, Roddy McDowell. McDowell. And he's got um, a little kind of beady eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's got lasers, though, and he's got claw to punch people with. Yep. But, uh, yeah, so they escape. They go through the black hole, and on the other side, they find a planet, which I think later on people were asking, like, asked the question. It's like, what if they actually died, and what's on the other side is just, you know, that's the afterlife. It's like they're dead. They're they're flying to planet heaven. Yeah, I don't I don't, I don't, I don't really buy that either. Just a fucking movie for kids, guys. Yeah, it's, def- <laughs> it's the ending is surreal for sure. Um, <laughs> we'll get to that. Yeah. So there's lots of stuff here um, to talk about, to unpack, if you will, over the next uh, little bit. Um, I used to watch this movie every day, multiple <laughs> times a day. My brothers know this movie so well. So this was your Frozen, huh? I guess, yeah. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, I mean, there are frozen robots at yes, one point. Yes, there in this are movie. frozen robots. Um, no, this is yeah. I watched. I used to watch this movie constantly. <laughs> I had the toys that Mego put out. I would. I mean, I was bonkers for this movie. I loved it. Um, this is a this is a um, uh, John Barry score. John yes. Barry, my favorite composer. Um. It's it's very uh, it's like a dirge almost. The score is probably my favorite element of this movie. Yeah, um, it is amazing. There are times when there's no music or nothing really. It's like a very quiet moment um, that that is almost used to build tension more so than the score being used mm-hmm. for that. But it's got those those the strings the violins that like. Oof. It just cuts and cuts. It's so good. Yeah, um, and it's also got the overture, like the yep, you know, yeah. kind of that epic yep nature. You know, hey, we're on a space adventure, space adventures with heroes <laughs> and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, <laughs> this was directed by Gary Nelson. He had done some TV shows, like some old westerns in the '60s, like Have Gun Will Travel. Uh, I think probably Bonanza and like that, that sort of stuff. Um, he was uh, also a director of Disney stuff, like both TV projects. And uh, he had directed the original version of Freaky Friday in 1976. So this was probably his very next movie. Um, and so, you know, it's kind of funny because this movie, there's two ways of, to think about this movie. I think a lot of people dislike this movie. I think a lot of people think that it's dumb. Those people are dumb. Those people are dumb. That's yeah. So there you go. Take that. <laughs> Next topic. Um, no, <laughs> no, it's um, one of the things that that I that I wrote down is that it feels like. First of all, this movie is is totally aping on Star Wars, like whatever they can to try to, you know, keep the space adventure going right cash in a little bit on that uh, 
on that on that Star Wars craze. But um, there's also like an attempt to make it seem like 60s science fiction where there's um, like scientific gobbledygook that people say. Like at one point, um, <laughs> like uh, like at one point they, they say, pull it up on the hologram. Well, the hologram wouldn't be the display that you're looking at. It's, it's what makes the display, right? It's like, like, like you would say, just bring it up on screen or bring it up in the viewer or whatever. You wouldn't, you wouldn't say bring it up on the hologram. <laughs> yeah, it's just made to sound scientific, Science-y. science fiction. Sounds science fiction-y. Um, the other thing is at one point they're flying, you know, the Palominos discovered the, the Cygnus and they're flying around it and they're trying to get a better look at it. So at one point they say, um, turn on the micro beam, <laughs> yeah. which is just essentially a spotlight, it's like, but a micro beam wouldn't make sense. That's just a tiny beam. <laughs> right. That produces a gigantic circle of light. <laughs> The size of this gigantic ship. Uh, the micro beam. Um, so, like, there's stuff like that. And, like, at one point, like, they're getting ready, like, uh, like uh, Reinhardt's getting ready to take the Cygnus into the black hole. And he's, like, doing his calculations. And he's, like, uh, pi squared over 60 squared. And it's, like, everything is squared. It's, like, it's just, it's, it's that kind of dumb science yeah. talk, you know? Yeah. Where, like. It's all filler. It's, it's all, like sciencey filler right yeah right you're not supposed to really pay attention to it it's just like oh they're talking about sciencey things right it's like i'm dumb guy audience i'm just gonna tune out yeah Um, in in that in that sense this movie is is not very dense in its science fiction it is no i mean i think really where they get the most dense is when they talk about uh sacrificing for greater knowledge yeah that, it's that's a little f- bit more of a philosophical type of right it's it's um yeah it, it's you know, what um what is truly meaningful you know who are who do we really answer to as an, an author as an authority right right what is what is the ultimate purpose of um of science you know right what, you know what yeah yeah it's yeah it's kind of one of those things where it's like because uh, like each of the of the crew members of the palomino have a, a a various uh take on on what's important like uh anthony perkins who um plays durant uh, dr durant he is um he is kind of like uh the the reinhardt character where he values the exploration and the scientific, the scientific exploration, maybe more so than his companions. Like, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to do this. And it's like the pursuit of knowledge. The pursuit of knowledge is what he, he gets behind. Yeah. Um, Kate McRae is, is motivated by family. Yeah. Um, and through compassion, um, Booth, who is Ernest Borgnine, is um, the truth, truth, but also uh, self-preservation. Yes, uh, because at one point it's not the truth at all. Everybody. It's not the truth at all costs. Right. It's is what truth I can find while still keeping myself safe. Yes. Um, Pizer, who's like the the lieutenant, the second in command, 
he is her- heroism. He's doing the right thing at all costs. Yeah, he's kind of the cowboy, if you he, will. Exactly. He's the Han Solo of yeah. the group. Um, shoot first, and we'll worry about the rest of it later. Um, Holland, who's Robert Forrester, who's the captain, is the mission. The mission, mm-hmm. it's we have to get back on the ship. We have to leave. We have our own stuff to worry about. Yep. Um, so it's, you know, and then Vincent is just like, just basically playing devil's advocate to everyone yeah. with his idioms. Yeah. Really, it's what he does. I mean, he yep. he doesn't provide, what what's it, what's it stand for? Valuable information now centralized something what oh gosh yeah what the hell? uh but like he he keeps saying stuff where those were like vital information necessary centralized none of it was <laughs> vital or necessary no it was he, he was just playing devil's advocate most of the time uh and he was really getting on Pizer's nerves he was also <sighs> going to get them all killed going to get them all killed yes he's very so, he's very ornery he kind of is <laughs> He um, wants to have a dick measuring contest with Maximilian, yeah, which is the a, gigantic devil robot. Right from the go. Like, right from the go, he's he's combative with him. Yeah. And it's like, dude. It's like, dial it back. You're on his ship. Yeah. Chill out. I mean, maybe everything is on the up and up. It sure shit doesn't look like it. But yeah. And you now never you're, know. Now you're, maybe now you all wanna... of his story will check out. Yeah, but but first though you wanna you wanna make fun of devil devil robot right. by saying the bigger they are the harder they fall. You know, even like the even like Robert Forster's like, dude. Next time, smile when you say that, you <laughs> yeah. know, which is because he doesn't have a mouth. Right, but anyway, right, right. <laughs> basically saying next time, just don't say it at all, asshole. Um, yeah, and like uh, he he. So at one point in time, like everybody, like my favorite parts of this movie is when everybody is split up, and they're all finding various pieces. Like, um, like Booth uh, Ernest Borgnine finds a a garden, like this mm-hmm. gigantic garden, on board where like it's it's meant to provide food and uh, purify the air. Was also mentioned that it might be there for, uh-huh. uh, but it's there really for food and. Um, you know, he like sees one of like the little robot guys that they're that like working the controls, and he seems a little weirded out by it because the robot gets up and walks away with a with limp. A limp, yeah. It's like robots typically won't have a limp, even if they have a malfunction, they'll get it fixed. Um, and so you know, it's like that's then there's um, uh, uh, Captain Holland witness like is like going through the cruise cruise quarters noticing like all of their stuff is still intact every like all of their their jumpsuits their uniforms and stuff are still there and he witnesses what can really only be described as a funeral for these robots robots typically don't give themselves funerals (laughs) when they die or when they you know whatever um and then um my favorite is uh, Vincent meets up with an older version of the type of robot he is. Old Bob. Old now, Bob. Bob is uh, is uh, um, uh, uh, Slim Pickens. I couldn't think of his name there for a second. Slim Pickens. And um, they find the robot rec room. <laughs> this was always my favorite scene as yes. a kid, too. So the robot rec room is where all the sentries go and do like some laser skeet shooting. Yeah, they basically laser target shooting. Yes. Yeah. 
and uh, there's all the sentries are like maroon color, right? And like there's one that's in all black, and he looks like a badass, right? And uh, and Bob's like, oh, that's you know that star is as S T A R stands for something, and um, he's pretty hot shot, right? And and Vincent's like, oh, we're better than him. Again, chill the fuck out, yeah, Vincent. Yeah. And he's like, no, we're better than him. And Bob's like, yeah, I beat him once, and he did things I don't want to remember. <laughs> what did he that do? That is some psychological like warfare Star played with there. Plus, also keep in mind that Bob um, is all banged up. Oh yeah, he's got wires sticking out. He's got <clears throat> he's got holes in his in his armor. Yeah, he's in bad shape. Uh, so um, Star defeats one of the sentries. And then goes up to Bob, and it's like basically challenges him. Wants a rematch. Wants a rematch. And, and Bob's like, oh, God. Uh, so, you know, Vincent notices that the Star cheats by uh, by knocking by like knocking into Bob to make him miss. And Bob's like, nah, I would have missed anyway. You know, because it's like. I was going to let him win. No, yeah. I was going to let him win. Yeah. He's got a fragile ego. Um, <laughs> so Vincent's like, fuck that. I'm going to take him on. Uh, okay. Sure. Uh, Draw draw attention to yourself, Vincent. Great. Uh, Vincent, realizing that, that, that Star is about to knock into him, knocks back and, like, fires off a bunch of shots. And one of them ricochets back and hits Star, causing him to, like, short circuit and blow up or whatever. Which is awesome to think that, first of all, these robots have a perception of recreation. Right. And honor and pride. Yes, you know, it's in competition. In competition. Yeah. That's fascinating to me. <laughs> and he does, too. He's also um very arrogant star. Because every time he's, like, doing, like, trick shots. And then every time he, he ends, he does, like, a really bad impersonation of, like, gun twirling. Yeah, which the, the guns don't have <laughs> a way to twirl. don't have a way to twirl. Right. It's fucking funny. <laughs> It looks so dumb, but he's like, he's like, and then he, he kind of like acts like he's putting them in his holsters. Right. Which are just like little hooks on the side of his legs. Um, uh, now, interesting thing about Star, he is portrayed, and, and actually I don't know if this was a, a stunt thing or a, or a technical advisor or something, but he is actually played by um, Tom McLaughlin. Does the name strike a ring of Tom ring McLaughlin. a bell with you? It's Don't not look ring, it up. No, not, no, I'm not. But it's not ringing a bell. All right. Okay. Tom McLaughlin. He's, he's not in like the cast list at all. No, he was listed as Tommy. McLaughlin oh wait, there he is. The I won't click on him. Okay, Tom McLaughlin is the writer and director of Friday the Thirteenth Part Six. Oh Jason lives. shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the writer and director of um, of uh, Blind Date or no, uh, Date with an Angel. That That's was yeah. weird. Yeah, um, he was Star Captain huh. Star, uh, which blows my mind because he that's is part weird. of two of my favorite childhood movies. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. That wow, huh? So he was the one. He's like, um, so um, you know, G Gary, uh, Mister Nelson, do you mind if I try to like act like I'm twirling my guns yeah. before I put them? <laughs> Yeah, Tommy, whatever. Yeah, go just, for it. Just give it, it a shot. Just yeah. do it. We already have to film a, a trippy you know, finale huh. to make this movie reach feature length. So just do whatever you want. We'll film it. That's <laughs> pretty wild. Yeah. Um, so 
most of what people will remember of this movie is probably the second half of the movie when yeah. like most people are going to if nothing else they're going to have visual reference for when like the action and all that starts because like that's when they start exploding um uh sentry guards and they start uh blowing up uh you know like the 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 Cygnus is going to go into the black hole, but they maybe waited too long because now a bunch of space Cheetos, Cheetos, space Cheetos, are, yeah, are like flying towards them, like being sucked into the black hole. I guess the other guys tights and we'll call them meteors or something. I guess whatever uh, the hell or, or an exploded some sun. highfalutin word like yeah. meteor, but meteor. Space Cheetos is what Space they Cheetos are. is what they look like. Yeah. Is what we're gonna call them. Uh, so they start like you know slamming into the Cygnus, fucking up all the systems, basically not making it uh, possible for Reinhardt to do his thing. Um, but what you're going to mostly remember is like the the visual of like one of the Space Cheetos like rolling down yes. part of the ship and the, so and, cool and the silhouettes of them running in front of it to yep. get away. Yeah, yeah, super super cool, super cool. Um, the the final confrontation with with Maximilian and yep. And Vincent scared, is pretty classic. Scared me when I was a kid. There's some scary Vin- stuff in this movie. Like uh, Maximilian in general, just scared scared the piss out of me as a kid. Well, he has he now he does end up having lasers at one point, but he's mostly known for using his like, his twirlies. Yeah, his little saw thing. Yeah, he yeah. has like a little yeah, drill saw thing. saw arms. Yeah, that 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 twirl. Yeah, yeah, it's scary man. It's super scary. Um, also, he just looks like the devil. Yeah. Um, He's got that yeah, that red like laser eye yeah. brow. Oh, and he has a there's a hum that mm-hmm. follows him. Um, in some ways, I kind of think like that's actually pretty intelligent because somebody probably watched Star Star Wars and was like. Darth Vader's breathing is scary. Yeah. You know, you always know he's there. You always know he's a presence there. So we're going to add this little hum. Yep. This real low hum. And, and uh, yeah, and you hear the hum and then you see him kind of like float down, down slowly into frame. Yeah. And it's like, oh, fuck, he's here. Yeah. And he's yeah. scary, dude. It's scary. Um, the whole first half of the movie is a lot of tone of, of dread. Yes. I mean, remember, I remember, you know, seeing this as a kid and especially the first time and it's still kind of I feel it a little bit. It's just that 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 sense of nothing is right. There's um, evil afoot. Right. And spooky stuff. And this it's like it's kind of what I love about sci fi to this day where you have a there's a lot of sci fi movies that kind of start like this. Right. Where the one ship encounters another ship and they board it and things don't appear as they should <laughs> that is an old school science fiction trope whether yeah. it's boarding a ship or landing on a planet right yeah. um right because like um i mean that goes back to you know like uh, you know forbidden planet mm-hmm. or uh phantom planet even to a certain yeah. extent um absolutely it's in this island earth though uh-huh. done a little bit differently um where you think that Oh, those big-headed aliens! Um, either you know, it's you either think that they are that they are being dishonest, or that they are being, or that they really are asking for help. Um, either was because it goes back and forth, you know, and yeah. so it's like it's always, um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. And then the second half, once sort of all of every, when all is revealed, 
is space laser adventure kind of flick. Right, you know, like it's, it's your action. It, it's, it becomes your um, your western then. Yeah. A lot of space battles, gunfight, laser fights. Hiding behind stuff. Robots versus robots. Yep. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. It's, it, it really, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's like, on the surface, the movie is well-constructed. Yeah. With that, because it, it like it builds to its drama. It builds to its, you know. Um, older now, I do realize it, it's it's lacking in a few things. Oh, like, most definitely. Dialogue is really kind of stilted yeah. and kind of not great. A little corny. A little corny. But then again, you know, all of these people are probably realizing it's like, this is a movie for children. This isn't right. But this but, isn't quite like Star Wars or Star Trek, which are made for mo- more little older, like teens and older. Um, I think though that may be part of why it was such a failure is because it was, um, it's almost uh, too corny for adults, but too dark and sinister for children. Yeah. Um. I can get behind that. It, it doesn't really quite pigeon any one audience. Yeah, because it's it's one of those things where it's like, I think partly of why I liked it so much was that it it's it's a faster moving Star Wars. Yeah. Um. So it's a little bit more brisk, or you know, in its in its uh, in its timing. Um. But I did like the thrills. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, like I, I appreciated the thrills of the the scary sentry robots mm-hmm. and the scary. The things that scared me in this movie are the things that made me remember it fondly. Right. Yeah. It makes me want to go back and watch it. And, yeah. You know, it's like I'm the type of person who like I really do think as much as I like. The idea of well, wouldn't it be great if Star Trek was real and I could get on the Enterprise and fly around? The the realistic part of me, the 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 part of me that realizes that, you know, when I really think about that, space is a very scary place. Like <laughs> one little thing, one little thing goes wrong, and you're blown out, uh, and your head explodes or something. You know, your your blood freezes and you get a really bad sunburn. yeah (laughs) um you know so it's like yeah it's um i don't know it's just it's such a um but it it does trigger both feelings like oh wow we're on a space adventure and then also space is scary yo black holes gobble you up they'll gobble you gobble gobble. um you know yeah, have you ever seen those videos? Sometimes you see somebody post them, like on Facebook or somewhere. It's like, what would happen if a black hole, a, you know, a small black hole appeared next to Earth, and like they would basically walk you through like the fucking nightmare scenario? <laughs> uh, just a small one could do, you know, not not like this, where it was like supposedly like the the most massive black hole ever or whatever. Um. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. Well, oh, um, I always will remember once like everything starts going really, really bad, you know, it's like the space Cheetos are fucking up the Cygnus and everything gets washed out with a red, uh, with red lighting mm-hmm. and red mm-hmm. tint and everything. And 
you know, it's like they're they're running through that one section after they went through the garden to get away from those one sentry bots. And, uh, you know, like Maximilian comes out and it's like then starts chasing Vincent. And uh, I just the visual of that is always yeah. in my brain. Yeah. And the 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 um, decompression of the ship. So all the 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 air being sucked out of the um, ship that really scared me. Yeah. When I was a kid, I would think it was the first time I kind of did understand, you know, some sense of of um, a vacuum. Yes. Right. And what that meant and how dangerous that was. Yeah. And yeah. That freaked me out. Yeah. Because like there's a couple of instances like when they're in the garden, the, the hole gets breached. It freezes all of the plants instantly. The robots get frozen and then they get like blown away. Yeah. Um, then when when um, when Maximilian gets offed by Vincent with Vincent's own little drill claw thing. Yep. Um, he just floats off. He just floats off. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, oh, my God. Yeah. It's weird. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and that that movie always makes me, like, that part of the movie always gives me, the like, depending on what scene, like, what shot it is, I'm either, I either feel hot or cold watching it. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, there there are effective things in here. It's, it's. It's not. I. I'd almost hesitate to even call it science fiction, right? Because it's, it's real thin on those themes. Um, I guess it's an adventure movie. It's also kind of a horror movie. I mean, oh yeah, I, I feel like it's a horror movie first and foremost. Honestly, really, yeah. Like you're putting it in like the category with Alien. Yeah, kind of. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I think it's that kind of movie. I mean, whether it's an, a, a truly effective horror movie is to be debated. But, yeah. but for me as a kid, that's that's how I felt about it. Yeah, I, I looked at it as a, as a scary movie. Well, yeah, because like the sentries are scary looking. They're very menacing looking, at mm-hmm. least. The 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 uh, the guys who were turned into robot zombies and they were like basically working this. They're all like gaunt faced and sucked in. Yeah. They look dead. Yeah, um, that scared the shit out of me. Yeah, that's scary stuff. Uh, uh, Anthony Perkins being like chopped up by. Yep. yep. Yeah. Get straight murdered by the robot. Yeah. Um, and you know, I always felt like uh, there was a part of me that also was always bothered by when Ernest Borgnine decides he's going to take the Palomino yeah. away. Yeah. And then he gets blown up, and it's like part of me was like. I realized, like, oh, that's selfish. I always thought it's like, oh, what a what a jerk. But then I also always felt bad that it's like it was all for naught anyway. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, oh well, I guess I'm glad the heroes weren't on there. Yeah, because everybody's dead. But then again, though, if you really think about this, also, <laughs> this is another thing. What difference would anything have made if they did end up dying, if they did get into the Palomino, they shot, they rocketed off and they got fired upon and all died. Not, not no difference. Nobody is harmed other than the fact that, the, that a guy has just murdered five more people. I or think, whatever. I think it has probably in your interpretation of the ending. Maybe it's also maybe part of that philosophical yeah. question of, well, how bad do you think, the Maximilian shell character is right. Like, is he so bad because what he did to the mutinous crew 
or what he considered a mutiny, is he so bad that he must be stopped even if it harms nothing or no one other than the people he's already harmed? Yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean it, that, that's a philosophical question. I mean, like, people on Earth would not have been affected. But at their, at, I think, though, at that point in the movie, the, the crew of the Palomino is just trying to escape. Right. At this they're point, not, they're, they're just, not trying to stop anything. They just, right, just, just got They just want to get off the Cygnus. They don't want to go into a black hole. Right. Because what if he is wrong? That was one question right. that was asked. It's like, well, we think he's going to do it, but what if he doesn't? We yeah. can't be here for that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, yeah, because no no one is going to be harmed. He is a bad dude. I mean, yeah. he should be brought to justice, but that's not their primary concern. Right, there, there is self-preservation right. at that point, yeah, which falls in line with because, like, like, at one point in time, like you know, Ernest Borgnine is like, "All right, we're getting out of here, awesome," and then, like, then they need to go help other people, and like, well, and and uh, and uh, Captain Holland is like, um, you know, we're gonna be back, we're gonna take off, but we gotta go get Kate. Um, then they get delayed, and then, uh. Uh, Holland's like, go ahead and take off without us. And Pizer's like, no, ain't going to do that. So he gets off the ship and, and board night <laughs> fakes a twisted ankle to get back on the, <laughs> get back on the ship and take off. Um, you know, so it's like, I mean, it's in line with what he believes most in probably, which is, Hey, I told you this guy is a cuckoo and now I want to save myself, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, if you guys want to come with me, great. If not, I'm going to find a way. Yeah. Yeah. There is, um, there is a sense of Reinhardt's character too, where he's trying to justify himself to them. Right. Because he, yeah. Where he's, he's talking, he talks about the ends justifying the means and that, you know, in the pursuit of science and this knowledge and all of this great information, which he, it seems willingly wants to give to Anthony Perkins to take, to take back take to back to earth to actually help humanity. Well, he he is legitimately saddened when when Maximilian kills right Anthony Perk, which Perkins. is it, which I always thought was scary too. That that Maximilian was maybe the one who was actually running things. I think that was what part of that that symbolism is yeah. at the end is that uh, at this point in time, uh, Reinhardt is. N- is no longer in control of anything. Yeah. Right. He's just giving the orders and it's Maximilian who's keeping everything in line. Right. Yeah. And Maximilian is, he's doing what he wants basically. Well, at the end, he's he absolutely autonomous. does. He, he's autonomous. Yeah. Right. He absolutely does because when the Cheetos fuck up everything and the Cygnus is starting to break up, uh, the big the big display screen falls on Reinhardt, oh, right, yeah. and he begs for help from Maximilian. Maximilian, Maximilian just turns just, back at him and then just keeps going. He's like peacing out on the elevator. Yeah, yeah. he's like, yep. "See you later, Jerko." See ya. Going down. Never came back. He's all he wants to do is fuck up uh, Vincent. Yep, basically, and, and old Bob. Yep, which he does. He gets old Bob. He does. He gets it's old sad. Bob. That's sad. It is sad. So let's talk about the ending. Yeah, because this is. Uh, Weird. It's weird. Um, I feel like you found something about the end. Uh, not really. No. Um, no. Uh, well, set uh, us up. So, all right. So here's here's the deal. Um, 
it's looking like the the surviving crew of the Palominos going to get away. Right. On, this is this is Holland, Pizer, McRae, and Vincent. They're going to get away on a on a on a probe uh, vehicle on the Cygnus. Right. Because the probe they did discover, even though the probe didn't go into the black hole previously, it can withstand the 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 gravitational science that Reinhardt has done has been applied to both the Cygnus and this probe. Right. So they're going to escape on the probe, and they get on the probe. And they realize, oh shit, the probe is programmed, pre-programmed to only go into the black hole. So there, uh, what's his name? asks, so does that mean we're gonna go into the black hole? And Robert Forrester's response is classic. I think it's the last line of dialogue in the movie. He says, "Yep." <laughs> <laughs> there might be one more exchange between him and the female. Uh, officer, but uh, but yeah, that's pretty much the last, the last bit of, yep, of dialogue. That's pretty much it. Yep, yep. Um, so he okay, so he goes. Uh, so they get in, and this is where you get your 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 Stargate, your um, you know your your two thousand one. Yes. Uh, so go ahead. So yeah, that's exactly what it is. It is it is the Stargate sequence, sort of like light uh, from two thousand one. They go into the black hole. It's kind of a cool effect though, that always unsettled me. Um, is they they um, they shoot it like in a strobe effect, so it's almost like they're taking frames out to give it kind of a slow motion effect. But it's but it's also very jarring and herky jerky. It's uh, and and sound is distorted uh, as and well. And it's replaying old uh, dialogue. Too, yeah, in the background, it's twisted, and it's like it's it's some of the stuff that is much more heady. Yeah, it's, it, yup is not repeated. <laughs> it's other more heady stuff. Um. Right. So it. <laughs> And then, um, so they're kind of spinning through the black right, which hole, which is kind of cool because, like, the camera is spinning. They are on essentially uh, what do they call that? A gyroscope. Yeah. Uh, so it's like everything is. It's very dis- it's very um, distorted. I mean, I, before we get to the rest of the the ending, I guess it makes sense that they have to go into the black hole for one thing. I mean, this, the movie's called the fucking black hole. The whole movie, they've <laughs> talked about what's at the other end of a black hole. What's, how can you go through a black hole, black hole, black hole, right? Right. Of course, somebody's got to go into this thing. Um, <laughs> but it does become like, uh, the, the, are we got to have our Stargate sequence sort of moment? Yeah. Like, cause the, the imagery begins to, it's one thing for things to be spinning around and, and people reacting and looking like they're all about to barf. As I said, it would just be like me in a bubble of barf because <laughs> I would be spinning around and barfing all over. It's like I'm hitting the X, the Y, and the Z axis. Um, but, the, yeah, and so, like, then it, like, it shows, like, Reinhardt, like, floating. Yeah, this is where it gets really weird for me. And he's like he merges with like with, with Maximilian. Maximilian. They see each other floating in space, I guess, and they merge. And then it's a really iconic. Yeah, he's like Maximilian shot. is like Reinhardt's inside Maximilian. You can see his eyes. You can see his the, eyes darting the, around in there. Yeah, and then they're standing on top of like what looks like Devil's Tower, yeah. uh, sort of, in what appears to be hell. Yeah. 
with all of the zombie robots like roaming about right and, like, like he, the tortured them. souls yeah yeah it's, which i guess really kind of i think that is supposed to be symbolic of life on the cygnus yeah that 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 Re- that reinhardt and maximilian became one and the same to the point where they even flipped roles like we were saying but then like you've got all of these zombie robots like toiling away it's you know is i think that's meant to be a, a, a the cygnus was hell not the black hole it was uh, yeah but yeah. but practically i mean what what happened there did is, is are your perceptions changed is the black hole a gateway to heaven and hell right because like, then the next thing you see is a tunnel with a light at the end and a ghostly like angel like lady fl- i don't right. know right and then immediately <laughs> after that the probe the the cygnus probe shoots through the white shoots hole. through the white hole that doesn't sound like wrong at all. That's what it's called. <laughs> <I know. laughs> the other end of the black hole. Uh, and, and it looks like they're approaching a a bright star planet of some sort. Right, where it seems like in like really hopeful music plays. Yeah, like, like they've they've met God or something. I don't know. Well, I mean, in a way, it is kind of like. That does prove Maxim or not Maxim uh, Maximilian Shell, but that proves Reinhardt right that that knowing this kind of makes you almost like a god, right? Like there's a lot of that intention that like the only reason why you 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 want more knowledge is so that you can basically be a deity mm-hmm. among men, you know, or whatever. Um, part part of me loves the fact <laughs> that this is the ending to this movie and that this is the ending to a fucking kids disney movie right like it is that part was really unsettling for me as a yeah it's so unsettling and and also confusing but but in another way thought-provoking right i guess yeah i mean it at least made you kind of contemplate things even though still to this day when i contemplate it i i kind of just blink my, out my brain yeah just kind of blinks out because i don't really know what <laughs> what to do with it <laughs> it's whereas it's so different from the the stargate sequence in the end of 2001 where i like right. that that makes me well because that also doesn't happen at the very end true it takes him through space and time that's true right, right. this is just taking them from one place to another and they're thinking back huh that guy seemed like the devil but i think about i guess he is. i think about them trying to take the whole t- last 20 minutes or so of 2001 a space odyssey condensing it into f- a five minute like f- like super uh poignant and philosophical exclamation point that actually in reality no one is gonna fucking get right i would love it was, to know it was coke fueled i would love <laughs> to know what people were thinking with me, this. me too uh, i would know who signed off on it yeah i hope that this movie gets a more up uh, now maybe maybe there is a more updated release than mine that has a commentary on it. it yeah i don't i don't know though I you might have the love, only release of this that's ever been on dvd i have the only copy on only DVD. copy on dvd yeah, yeah. It, uh, just so happened to be at a meyer one night for nine dollars <laughs> flat I, yeah um, <laughs> um it's a good score yeah right i'm the only guy who's got it uh no it's uh i would love to know what they were thinking with the end because the i mean the first 90 minutes is real straightforward very i mean no doubt about you are meant to at least believe reinhardt is a villain 
even if there is some understandable, justifiable reasons for what he does. Granted, I think you're just supposed to land on the fact that he's a bad guy because he killed all the crew. Right. Uh, but he's he's thirsty for knowledge, something he can share with people. Like he's not he's not thirsty for knowledge just for himself. He want like you said, he he legitimately seems like he wants that knowledge to go back to Earth one way or another. Like I think the plan was, hey, um, Alex, I'm gonna you're gonna stay, you know, because you're a weirdo, you're a science weirdo. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna shoot through the black hole, and then you can just turn the Cygnus around, and go home with all my papers, because they still use papers in this right. in this future. <laughs> um, and and like uh, and like Anthony Perkins is like, yeah, rock on. I can do that. I can dig it. But uh, yeah, um, there there was talk. Of a remake of the Black Hole. Yeah, yeah, you were talking about that. Um, so it was uh, John Krasinski, not Joseph, not not the guy from the Office. Uh, <laughs> oh Joseph Joseph Kosinski. I have trouble with Polish last names. I don't know why I can't pronounce them. Kosinski, a uh, guy who directed um, Tom Cruise in Oblivion. I like that. Movie. I like that movie and Tron Legacy, which. Yeah, it's okay. Um, visually, I liked it. Um, he uh, he was going to direct a remake of Disney's Black Hole, which the fact that Disney has even considered a <coughs> remake of this is phenomenal because I feel like they do everything they can to bury this movie. Right, including handing it off to Anchor Bay right. to do a DVD yeah, release. It's fucking weird. Um, That's not even anamorphic they, they for my TV. They will not in any way, shape, or form embrace this movie, and it's inexplicable. Um, Considering all of the stuff, I mean, like, that, okay, so basically, Disney's like, you know, um... What what do we want to release? And like, there's a list of movies that they haven't released in a while. It's like, all right, well, you know, um, unidentified flying oddball, sure. <laughs> uh, Aristocats, absolutely. I mean, they've already remade that darn cat, right? That I mean, darn cat. <laughs> in Freaky Flubber, Friday. When can a we get it? Times over. When can we get another Freaky Friday? Right. You know. <laughs> um, and then they're like, uh, then they're like, you know. Black hole, no, no fucking way, right? Like, yeah, like the, it's like uh, you know they're like uh, black hole is like oh no 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 <laughs> song of the south eh, no <laughs> they would, you know they would consider song of the south they before, probably would. before the black hole it seems like they might you know <laughs> <laughs> well there was a script written uh, John Spates wrote the script he um he wrote the uh, Prometheus. Prometheus script. Oh boy. And a few other sci fi scripts. Um, well, I'm we, a little nervous mixing Prometheus with Black Hole. Well, it kind of, I don't know. It, see, the direction that he it sounded like he was going was, was definitely darker. Um, it was going to be a little bit more of the, the quantum theory. Okay. You know, like really get into the quantum theory of black holes and and the, the and what the theoretical possibilities. I kind of imagine it probably a lot like um, Interstellar. Okay. Right. 
if, if <gasps> what if Interstellar ended up being our black hole remake? It, right. I mean, I, oh my god, it, it kind of probably is probably the closest we're ever going to get. <laughs> but but we'll get a remake of Song of the South. Yeah. <laughs> but he he said he. I, I mean, dare you, Disney, to make you to make a live action remake. Of that. Yeah. He said he thought he wrote a pretty good script, but uh, it was too dark for Disney. Okay. Well, and Disney Disney didn't want to do it. Um, take it to Marvel. They don't have any problem with I feel dark. Like, I feel like it can land somewhere. I mean, it's generic yeah. enough, right, that it maybe they own the script. I don't know. Uh, it's kind of a shame. Oh I, I wish it would, it would at least get leaked. I'd like to wouldn't read it. it. Be, wouldn't it be amazing if Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is the, is the Black Hole remake? Oh, my God. <laughs> I want you know you wonder about that too sometimes. Right. Because, like, did, did they take it and, and create something else with it? Right, or or did or did um you know John Spates just like you know as you talk about some of his concepts and his ideas and other screenwriters are like, hey, you know, you should use this for that. Yeah. Right. This is something that's never going to get made, and I had this idea. Right. I want to call up the guy who does the um, what's that? Um, what is the. Uh, what what's the what's the blacklist for? Uh, no, I think oh, it's yeah, called, the, it's black called the blacklist. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I want to call that guy up. It's like, hey, did do you do you someplace have a in your stack of blacklist uh, movies that are really really good but can never be made? Is the black hole there someplace? I know, man. <laughs> I want to read it. Yeah, <laughs> I want to read it so badly. Um, the one that I always wanted to read um, that John Spates also did was Passengers. That was one of those scripts that. Um, was passed around Hollywood and everybody loved it, but but if for some reason it would never get can never get made, and then it got made and it was terrible. <laughs> uh, the script was better than the movie, but um, but that's always the you know that was another John Spade script that everyone would love that wasn't actually that good in my right. opinion. So I take all of it with a grain of salt. Sure, I want to read the shit out of it. I don't care. <laughs> the, the moment that thing is leaked, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read it. You're gonna print it off. I won't print it off. You're gonna print. You're gonna kill some trees. Print it off. <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, this is a movie that uh, I don't think is very difficult to see. Honestly, is it not? I think there is a later version of the DVD than I've got. Oh, okay. Um, I think uh, because I think there's one with a black box and black cover. Um, Maybe, I, I yeah. think it is available. It may even be something that you can like rent on. Um, I think it's on Amazon. Yeah, it might be on Amazon. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I would check it out. I mean, like especially if you are. In your mid thirties, oh, you can get it for six bucks on DVD. There you go. On from Amazon, yeah, and there is. You're right. There is there's, a different release. There's a um, looks like it's a. It was actually a Disney release. Oh, okay. Disney cool. DVD back in uh, 04, maybe. Yeah, I was gonna say that one's older. That my Anchor Bay one's older. Um, no, I I would say if I mean get, get check it out, especially if you're from your mid thirties to your mid forties, um, you would have been the you're probably the target audience anyway. Um, it, it's it's a little silly in parts. It's a little hokey in parts, but it's 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 Disney doing what Disney live action did back then. Yeah, if you if you haven't seen it in your our our, our age, I'm not going to expect you to love this movie. Um, but if you have kids, yeah, they might like they it. They might dig it, and there is it's it moves. It's not yeah. like. Um, you know, I mean, and yeah, we talked about stuff being kind of scary in it. I mean, 
I wouldn't say, I mean, when we say if you have kids, you know, try it on a nine-year-old or something. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I think the nine-year-old could handle it. Most definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about like when I was spooked by it, I was like four I was, and five. I was in like kindergarten yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. And um, even even then, I mean, it's not like it has um, anything overtly horrific. It's no, there's just, one. There's one like straight up murder. Yeah, but it's, otherwise it's robots. But and it's stuff. bloodless. Yeah. Um, it's but it is an effectively scary movie for kids. At least that in the seventies and eighties it was. Yeah, and it was targeted for them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, this isn't like this isn't like we're saying you know, hey, let your kids watch, you know, Text Chainsaw Massacre Part Two. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, even though I did. As I mean, kid. this is probably a, a better introduction into horror and sci-fi than, I don't know, something like the fucking Goosebumps movie. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. I mean, maybe maybe uh, later this year, Guillermo del Toro will... will... I'm real excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see what he has to say I about that. I can't wait. Uh, yep. So, anyway... Um, yeah, I mean, I I still like this movie. It's for yeah. all of its silliness. I still enjoy it. Me too. I don't think there's anything wrong with enjoying it. Man, the the ship design on the Cygnus too. Both <sighs> the Palomino and the Cygnus is just other. Uh, they're, they're it is all about. You know what? This movie's biggest overarching thing is David and Goliath. Yeah, Palomino is oh, yeah. a tiny ship. Very the Cygnus so. is very large. Uh, you've got little Vincent versus big old Maximilian. Yeah, yeah. Um, you've got the idea of small little people taking on basically the devil's asshole, which is that <laughs> what that black hole is. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it is all about you know littler things aspiring for better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. All right. So uh, next week we are going to uh, talk about video drum. Oh, by the way, this was our backdoor. Uh, this is our little backdoor secret Ernest Borgnine twofer <laughs> yeah. with the Devil's Reign and, and Black Hole. Um, yeah, that's so weird that that happened. I know, right? Yeah. Um, but anyway, so next week we're going to talk about video drum. It's a movie I've not seen. Oh. Um, so that's going to be new to me. Huh. Okay. New to me. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, if, you, uh, if you'd like to uh, send us an email, you can do so at filmseizure at gmail.com. Um, you want to follow us, you can go to Facebook and Twitter. That's at filmseizure. We yes. also have some Instagrams. Don't follow us for real. We're too boring. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. We don't do much. No, all you're going to be doing if you follow me around is sitting on my couch <laughs> watching me do nothing. And that means I'm going to have to feed you, and I'm not going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, you can find uh, new episodes of Film Seizure every Wednesday uh, at our home base, filmseizure.com. We also got the uh, iTunes, Google Play. We've got uh, TuneIn and Spotify. Check things out there. Check it. Check it. Um, then you can also uh, watch, uh, or you can also go to uh, to YouTube and listen to our episodes there if that's what you are into. Uh, Mondays, we got Monster Mondays. Uh, I'm having some fun with that, talking about monsters in various ways. Um, yeah. <laughs> various, various monsters ways. Various, various monsters ways. in various ways. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, that's, that's all the stuff you need to know. Uh, so... Until next week, I am Jeff Arbuckle. 
I am Jason Oliver, and you have been listening to Film Seizure. Thank you.